The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a Friday edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View today's show we're going to do a couple of things in a little while we will play an interview that i did with jeremy reisman of sb nation's pride of detroit as we preview sunday's game between your new york giants and the detroit lions a matchup of two teams that have lost three consecutive games both teams badly in need of uh of a victory so that their seasons don't uh, spiral out of control. And and we'll talk to Jeremy about, about the Lions, about the similarities between the Giants and Detroit, about some of the former players uh, from the Giants who are on the Detroit roster currently. That uh, is a, a fairly uh, entertaining interview, and we'll get to that uh, in just a few minutes. First, though, I thought we should take some time to discuss the, the upcoming NFL trade deadline. That deadline is next Tuesday, October 29th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Lots and lots of, of rumors floating around out there about what the Giants might do, about players the Giants might uh, might be interested or looking to uh, looking to deal in an effort to uh, to perhaps pick up some uh, some draft capital for the 2020 maybe even the 2021 draft you know this is what happens with teams that uh, that don't win in the first half of the season you know the uh, you turn your attention to uh, to building for the future and, and there are rumors out there about several giants players I did a, a piece early this week at Big Blue View on the Giants trade possibilities. In that piece, I stated that uh, I thought the most likely player to be traded away from the Giants by Tuesday's deadline is cornerback Janoris Jenkins. And and despite all of the rumors that we've heard this week, I still believe that to be the case. We've seen a couple of cornerbacks move already. Uh, as the deadline approaches, teams around the NFL are all looking to upgrade their pass coverage. They're all looking for that extra corner 
to to help them, you know, in in a league that is so reliant on the pass. So I still believe that that Jenkins is the most likely giant to be moved, especially when you look at the the personnel that the Giants have in the secondary. You still you have a two and five team that is pointed toward the future with a rookie quarterback, with lots of young defenders already playing. You have youngsters like Sam Beal, cornerback who's been on IR for the first half of the season and is going to be eligible to come back off of IR week nine versus the Dallas Cowboys. You have Corey Ballantyne, the sixth round pick who really has not had an opportunity yet. You still have Julian Love who has bar- who hasn't really played any defense. I'm not sure if the Giants look at him at this point as a as a slot corner, as a safety, I'm not exactly sure what role they see for him long term. But you know, Julian Love, fourth round pick that the Giants were excited to uh, to be able to get in the draft, is another player who hasn't had an opportunity. So you look at that situation, and, and heading into the 2020 draft, it would really behoove the Giants to find out what they have in those players. Janoris Jenkins, I believe, is 31 years old, doesn't have a long-term future with the Giants, not a great you know, number one shutdown corner, but still a good, dependable player, a guy who could be a help to a good football team looking to make a playoff run. So I look for, for Jenkins to be the most likely of any of the Giants to be moved. So so let's let's talk about some of the other players, some of the other names that, that you've heard. And and one of the interesting things to, to keep in mind is just because you may hear a player's name, you may hear that a certain team is interested in a player, doesn't necessarily mean that the Giants are actually interested in moving that player. And, and the one that comes to mind in, in that particular scenario or circumstance is left tackle Nate Solder. Now listen, I understand that Nate Solder is overpaid. The Giants had to, you know, two years ago, had to make some sort of a move in free agency to upgrade their offensive line. They overpaid to get Solder simply because that was, that was the market price. That's what you have to do in free agency. Nate Solder remains, you know, a pretty much adequate average left tackle. He's he's had a, a little bit of a rough go so far this year. I think he's been charged with five sacks. He's still you know, a player that some teams would like to have. He's still. I believe, you know, a pretty much middle of the road left tackle in the NFL. And, you know, we have heard reports, we've seen reports, I believe Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports was the first one to mention that the Cleveland Browns were interested in Nate Solder. And again, the Browns being interested does not mean that the Giants are shopping Nate Solder or trying to trade Nate Solder. Now, they might. You never know. I mean, Cleveland might make them an offer that the Giants think is too good to pass up. But the question has been asked a number of times. If the Giants trade Nate Solder, 
who plays left tackle for them for the rest of the 2019 season. The the reality of it is that the Giants right now have to be all about the development of Daniel Jones. They have to be about protecting him the best they can. And yes, they gave up eight sacks you know, last week against the Arizona Cardinals. Mark Schofield had took a, a deep dive into those sacks for us. The reality of it is a couple of those sacks are on the offensive line. A couple of those sacks happened in the final minute when, you know, the, the game was out of reach and, and you knew pretty much that the Giants were going to throw in desperate situations and offensive lines historically pretty much have no chance in those situations. But as Mark looked at those, he found a couple of sacks that you could blame on Saquon Barkley. found a couple of sacks you can blame on Daniel Jones himself for holding the ball too long, not getting rid of it. A couple of sacks that you blame on the offensive line. Mark even found one that, that he blamed on head coach Pat Shermer simply for the play call, for the design of a, of a particular play and, and the situation in which the Giants ran it. So perhaps uh, you, it, it's a little bit unfair to simply say Solder has been terrible, the offensive line has been terrible, because neither one of those things is is absolutely correct. But you know, when it comes to Nate Solder, the problem that the Giants have is who would play left tackle? Who would protect Daniel Jones for the remainder of the 2019 season? The Giants have no other real alternative at left tackle. They don't have anyone else. Mike Remmers, the right tackle, I believe has played a little bit of left tackle, but Remmers is not a good option at, at left tackle. He's he he's a guy better suited to the right side. Um, you know, has has enough of uh, has enough issues of his own on the right side without moving to the other side. In terms of of backup players, the Giants have Nick Gates is a guy who is probably their primary offensive line backup looked at as as what's called a five-hole player, a guy that can play anywhere across the line of scrimmage. But the reality of it is Nick Gates has never played left tackle in the NFL. He was a left tackle at Nebraska who went undrafted with the reasoning that he was a player who needed to be moved inside to guard. When the Giants brought him in in 2018, they moved him to guard he only played some tackle during the preseason when injuries, you know, struck some of the the guys, and and uh, the Giants didn't obviously had Nate Solder out, you know, because of his ankle surgery in the off season, and had some other injuries that they were dealing with. Gates is a guy that you know, if he was a left tackle, he would have been drafted as one two years ago. So he's really, I look at him as an emergency left tackle. He's not a guy you want starting out there and playing a full a full game worth of snaps if you can absolutely help it. Chad Slade is the same way. Slade was a guard with the Houston Texans, has been inactive for most of the games this year, maybe, maybe all of the Giants games this year. I'd have to look that up to be 100% certain. But Slade's a guy who played guard in Houston, was used a little bit at right and left tackle in the preseason just to see if he could handle that job in an emergency. Another player who you really wouldn't want to expose there uh, long term. And, and the third option is Eric Smith, a player the Giants got on waivers from the New York Jets. 
guy who is a tackle, but another player who's been inactive all season and a guy who's never actually played an NFL snap. So, you know, so do you really want to expose the blind side of Daniel Jones to, to Smith or to any of those players? So as disappointed, as disenchanted as you might be with Nate Solder, especially considering his contract, you have to consider the alternatives. And I think that the Giants have to do the same before they consider trading Solder. If the offer is too good to pass up, then fine. But but you don't trade him, you know, just to... Uh, just to accumulate a day three pick, just to get rid of the money, you really have to consider the the long term development, the safety of Daniel Jones before you do that. Couple of other names that have been mentioned in trade rumors. The most interesting one to me is tight end Evan Ingram. When I first saw a couple of uh, a couple of reporters, you know, mention the name Ingram as a possibility in trade rumors. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by that, but since that time, I've actually been able to confirm that, yes, indeed, there are teams interested in Evan Ingram. There is a possibility that the Giants would move Ingram. I was told, in fact, uh, the, 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 the words I was given were that there are several teams in, quote, heavy talks with the Giants for Evan Ingram. Now, that doesn't mean it'll happen. I think that there would have to be a pretty significant price paid, you know, for for the Giants to move Evan Ingram. But, you know, Ingram is a guy who has terrific potential. He has great speed. He has a lot of playmaking ability, but he has holes in his game. He dropped a huge pass on Sunday. He's a guy who who you really don't want blocking in in a lot of situations. It would surprise me a little bit if the Giants did move Engram. It's but uh, but then again, you know, and, and again, it comes back to to the uh, to the development of Daniel Jones. Do you want to take away another weapon for him for the the remainder of the season? But then again, if the Giants don't see Engram as their long term answer at tight end, you know, he's also seems to annually have injury issues, then perhaps you do move him and see what you have in in younger guys like like Caden Smith who they who they acquired on waivers earlier in the season, Garrett Dickerson who's on the practice squad perhaps getting more snaps. So, you know, that's one to monitor. The other one that you hear um you've heard the name Golden Tate, you know, in his in the first year of his four-year contract you know, mentioned as a possibility. And I have no idea if the Giants are actually interested in moving on from Golden Tate already. He does sort of replicate the skill set of Sterling Shepard. I mean, there's concerns right now about Shepard you know, coming back from his second con- concussion. He's almost certainly going to miss Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions as he continues to, to recover from that. But there is some replication of skill set between Tate and Shepard. We haven't seen enough of them together on the field this you know, during the season to really know if Pat Shermer and Mike Shula can figure out a way to to use them together to have their skill sets complement each other. But as I said, you know, getting back to Tate though and, and the trade rumors, I do know 
that uh, that there have been some teams asking the Giants about Tate, sniffing around him in in uh, in an effort to perhaps upgrade their wide receiving core. What I do not know is if the Giants are actually interested in in giving up Tate at this point in time. Again, you know that's the idea comes back to Daniel Jones and taking another weapon away from Jones as we uh, as he tries to develop into a, into a full fledged NFL quarterback. You know, Tate in his couple games back front since his uh, since his four game PED suspension has become a little bit of a security blanket for Daniel Jones, and, and you have to be careful in taking weapons away from from a young quarterback like that. You don't want to uh, you don't want to slow his development. You don't want to make things that much harder on him. So, but again, as as I said, you know, Tate is a player that uh, that teams do appear to be asking about. Another player in light of the, the Giants signing of Dion Buchanan, former money backer for the Arizona Cardinals, another player who whose name you might hear is inside linebacker Alec Ogletree. The problem there is that I'm just not sure that anyone actually wants Alec Ogletree. You know, my expectation here, and it might not come to pass on Sunday against the Lions, but my expectation here is that Dion Buchanan ultimately takes snaps away from Alec Ogletree, not from David Mayo. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But I think that the Giants at this point they would move Alec Ogletree if they could find a taker for him. I'm just not certain that uh, that that's something they'll be able to do. All right, Giants fans, let's turn our attention to Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions, one that the Giants 2-5 and five, coming off a really, really disappointing loss to the Arizona Cardinals in a game that that they really should have won, new one that I've referred to as the as the low point of the Pat Shermer era as Giants head coach. This is a game on Sunday that uh, that the Giants are not expected to win, but it would be a really nice rebound win for the Giants. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When we come back, I will talk to Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Pride of Detroit about Sunday's matchup. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Detroit Lions website, Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, thank you very much for spending some time with us. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, let's talk about about Sunday's matchup a little bit. And I have to start. I have to start with this. You know, both the Giants and the Lions hired head coaches a year and a half ago. Things haven't been perfect for either team, you know, to this point. Where are you and where are Lions fans at this point on uh, on their feelings about Matt Patricia? 
Well, uh, if you would have asked me this question a week ago, I think you would have gotten a lot different answer than the the answer this week. Obviously, um, he's under a lot of fire right now for the defensive performance that the Lions had against the Vikings. Um, I, I think most people are, are not happy, obviously, with the two, three and one start, um, considering this team was a, a nine and seven contender, at least contending for the playoffs, maybe not much beyond a, a playoff appearance before with Jim Caldwell. Um, they were expecting a, 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 a big step, a step up where this team is not only contending for the playoffs, but playoff wins, potentially even a Super Bowl. It's been a year and a half now. And while that's not a long time to, to necessarily turn around a culture, which is how they're selling it, um, Lions fans have been waiting long enough. And so the fact that nothing seems to have turned around quickly or, or really anything at this point has turned around significantly Um people are starting to lose patience and it's not to a point where I think a ton of people are calling for his head or the general manager's head or anything like that, but it's getting close. Um, I, I think that the last 10 weeks of the season will, will be telling of how much this coaching staff has control of the locker room and how much they have control of the situation. Um, I don't think they're in danger of losing, losing their job pretty much no matter what happens in these final 10 weeks, but they're going to be facing a lot of criticism in, in that year three if uh, if things don't at least look somewhat optimistic by the end of the year. Jeremy, if I'm not mistaken, I look at the at that two and two three and one record. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Lions have have lost three straight games. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's right. So two zero and one start. Obviously, I think the 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 weirdness of of ending up in a tie with Arizona. Aside mm-hmm. from you know, aside from that, what has happened? to Detroit, you know, over their last three games. You know, there, there really isn't a common pattern. I, I think part of it, you can just simply point to schedule. I mean, Chiefs, Packers, Vikings is, is a rough, you know, gauntlet of three teams right there. And I know we've seen the, the Chiefs be mortal for the first time in, in a year and a half or so, but uh, they're, they're, they're just kind of present bad matchups for this team, um, particularly that they're good at running the ball and the Lions have not been good at stopping the run in any game this year. Um, the fact that some of those offenses, maybe the Chiefs uh, being the exception, they're kind of center around their running game right now, um, really presented a, a mismatch for Detroit. And while the Lions were able to put points up against all those teams who who have you know somewhat defense, decent defenses in the Packers and the Vikings, at least uh, the defense couldn't hold up. The you know the Lions had a chance to win that Chiefs game at the end of the game, but the defense couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes on the final drive of the game. They had a chance to win in Green Bay, but the defense couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers in the final drive of the game. And then you know Kirk Cousins and and Delvin Cook put up 42 on the Lions defense last week. Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear to say that the defense is being underwhelming right now. Interesting, considering that that obviously you know Matt Patricia. Co- came to Detroit with the uh you know with the reputation of of being a defensive coach I think that has to probably frustrate Detroit fans more than anything no question no question and especially when you go out and get some of your guys your Patriots guys you get Trey Flowers uh you you get a, a whole bunch of help on that defensive front and the results just aren't there they can't stop the run they can't pressure the passer um, the only thing that seems to be working is the Lions secondary. And a lot of those guys were kind of hangarounds from previous regimes. So uh, it, it's definitely frustrating seeing, you know, Matt Patricia being brought in as a defensive genius and and not seeing those results right away. I mean, we saw a little bit towards the end of last year, um, but it's another slow start for, for the Lions defense. And you, you have to wonder if maybe that goes on coaching and, and their inability of, of getting everything together before the season starts. 
You know, Jeremy, it's funny in a lot of ways. It sounds like the Lions are more like the Giants, perhaps, than I thought. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there. There's heat on Pat Shermer at the moment. You know, coming mm-hmm. off of of last Sunday, lost to Arizona that I have described as the worst loss in Shermer's year and a half as Giants head coach. Mm-hmm. Really, the first game that I looked at and I said. That's on the coaching staff, period. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, when you when you look at Detroit, you know, you, you also look at the Giants' defense, and it has a lot of James Betcher's guys. Mm-hmm. So, I guess this is sort of a, a long-winded speech that leads me <laughs> to the question of how do you see Sunday's game, and, and what are your thoughts, you know, entering Sunday about the New York Giants? Yeah, it, it's certainly an interesting matchup. I, I think, as I mentioned before, the Lions' inability to stop the run could put them in a lot of trouble in this game. Um, there, there's also the fact that the Lions just traded away one of their defensive leaders uh, in Quandre Diggs, which is certain to to rustle up the the locker room a little bit, and we'll see if that affects the the on play of them. But in terms of the Giants themselves, I think it's it's a somewhat favorable matchup for the Lions outside of that one you know aspect of the game, the, the Giants running the ball. Um, we've seen the Giants struggle to defend the pass, and I think Matthew Stafford is some, playing some of the best ball he's played in his career right now. The fact that they were able to light up a, a Vikings secondary, a Vikings defense that's very, very good gives me promise that they'll be able to do the same again this week against the Giants, maybe even more so. Uh, and And... Obviously, dealing with a rookie quarterback, I think uh, that that tends to favor uh, Detroit. And and I'm not quite convinced in the Giants' receiving core outside of maybe Golden Tate uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, I, I think it's a better matchup than than what the Lions had last week. But there's still some challenges that I think are going to keep this game very close. So let me ask you at this point. You know, I think we talked about some of these guys during the summer uh, mm-hmm. when, when you and I spoke. But there are several new players on the Lions who are former Giants, you know, notably uh, Damon Harrison, Devon Kennard, Romeo Aquara, and I know that uh, that Paul Perkins, you know, is is on the, the Detroit practice squad at this mm-hmm. point. Just some thoughts about the play, you know, that 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 the Lions are getting from those three guys, from from those three defenders, especially at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was better last year than it was this year. Uh, for for whatever reason, it seems like Snacks has kind of fallen off a little bit of a cliff, and he was he was critical of himself more than anyone else this week in Detroit struggles to defend the run because you know you follow Snacks around in his entire career, whether it's with the Jets or Giants or whoever. Um, wherever he goes, a good defense, a good run defense follows. So the fact that the Lions have struggled through six games is is probably the biggest shock of the entire team. Um, when it comes to Devon Kennard and, and Romeo Aquara, those guys are, are okay. Um, they're, they're good run defenders, but the Lions really need a pass rush right now, and they're not getting it from either guy. Um, I think I saw a stat today that um, Devon Kennard was getting double teamed fewer than majority of, of edge rushers in this league, but he's also beating his uh, his blocking at a, at a way below average rate. So the fact that that combination is obviously not what you want to see out of an edge guy. And while Devon Kennard, I don't think was ever billed as a great pass rusher. The fact that he isn't really providing anything in that aspect has, has been a big uh, reason why the Lions defense has struggled so far. So let, 
let's look at it this way. You're coming into a game Sunday. Obviously, if the Lions are going to to get anything done, you're in a a really tough division at this point with with the Packers, with the Bears, with the Vikings playing really well. You you have to start winning some games. Yeah. So, I when I do five questions, you know, with a writer, and I'm doing that with one of your uh, one of the writers on your staff this week. One of my my questions is sort of, you know, your team wins if what happens and the Giants win if what happens. So so kind of take a look at that question. How do the Lions win this game? And on the flip side, how do the Giants win this game? I think I think the Lions win the game by continuing to to dominate through the air, um, continuing to use Daryl Bevel's. Uh, new offense as a, a deep pass threat. That's something that Matthew Stafford has kind of reinvigorated in his career this year is, is connecting on deep balls. And um, no one has really been able to to find an answer for that so far. And, and with this Giants defense, I think vul- vulnerable on the back end. I think that's how you beat them offensively. Defensively, you have to sell it on the run. And the Lions tried to do that a little bit with Delvin Cook last week, and it didn't work. Um, but I don't think the Giants passing attack is quite as good as Minnesota. So I think selling out on the run is worth it this week. And you have to figure out a way to stop Saquon Barkley, which is not an easy task to do for sure. Um, on the Giants side, I, I think it's almost the, the direct inverse there. I think it, you, you try to hammer Saquon Barkley against a, a vulnerable Lions defense. And then when uh, when the Lions offense is out there is you, you try to make them one dimensional. You try to sell out really in the passing game, try to pressure Matthew Stafford, make him uncomfortable. He's one of he has one of the biggest disparities um, in passer rating when he has a clean pocket versus when he's under pressure. And the Lions offensive front is not that good. It's certainly vulnerable. They faced some really good pass rushers this year and and not done so well. So if the Gi- Giants can generate pressure, whether it's through blitzing or just four man rush, that's the way to beat Matthew Stafford, and that's probably the way to win the game. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much. And folks, please, uh, you know, if you're looking for for information on the Lions as as we head into Sunday, please check out Pride of Detroit, uh, a, a really good SB Nation website. Jeremy, thank you very much for for spending a few minutes. No problem. Again, thanks for having me. All right, our thanks to Jeremy Reisman, and our thanks to to all of you for listening, for subscribing for being part of the Big Blue View community. All right, we we thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.